0: What's up, girl?
1: What's up? Boogies are... No, boogies are down. Boogies are coming down. (laughs) Ew, that's I know, it's just pretty disgusting. As you can hear, my nose is clogged. It is. Your nose is a
0: little clogged. That's not cool. You almost never get sick. Yeah, I don't, but it's...
1: Ew! But it is back to school. <laughs> that it's, was a
0: new one. It's a, it's a
1: new one. Um, you know, but it's interesting how, as soon as the girl started, you know, going back to school, aka being with other kids, it was like within a week, Hunter was sick, then Maymay, and then an then I Like my throat oh, hurt. Of course. And then it's very, Same very mild, but still, uh, it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's either sickness Same or with Isaac. He Whatever. was he was
0: sick pretty much the moment school started, and he changed classrooms he got sick
1: it's all the children whatever so
0: people don't know to keep their kids home i wish they did because it's very irritating
1: well you know what i'm not i mean yes of course when when kids are absolutely sick then totally but i think that there's also an element of errant germs do you know what i mean like maybe there are kids who have very very mild Something like where you couldn't really even tell that they're sick; they're just a little off. But their immune system might be really strong. But maybe they Mm. touch a kid whose immune system isn't quite up, you know, and then it affects them. So I don't Mm. even know how germs Mm. actually work because it seems like it. Ask my husband; he'll tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that's about keeping your kid. Of course it's, it is about keeping your child. If your child really is sick, don't bring them to school. Duh. But there's also an element of like maybe some people just react to the environment differently. Uh, I don't know. Mm,
0: I don't know. Yeah, probably. <sighs> eh, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Well, I just wanted say- to mention that for the past, you know, ever since we've come back from podcast movement about a month ago, ever since I came back, it's been overwhelmingly, like, I'm not even sure how to handle the amount of chaos that is in the world. And I think we talked about this a little while ago. And, you know, I always think like, I'm going to come back to, in quote, normal, as in, I'll just go about my business, because there are things to be done, you know, in terms of ideas that I want to implement and things that I want to follow up in and stuff like that. And I'm just so overcome with the level of chaos that's out there right now. And particularly with uh, Puerto Rico, what happened with Maria and that poor that entire country is just absolutely devastated. And it's it really hurts. Like it it really, really hurts. I've seen reports that are and and with so reports that keep coming out from there and people I don't think that the level of coverage of what really is happening over there is happening at all, and one of the reasons is because they still haven't heard back from people yet. Because because they can't get because they can't get there, and there's no electricity. There's nothing. No cell service. Them. Nothing. nothing. So nothing. they have no not, electrical grid. Yeah.
2: So yeah, you can't can you really even
1: get information because you can't, and it's so. Right. It's just overwhelming. I've been, you know, and so I, I have one of my uh, close friends. We did our teacher training way back in the day in in um, L.A. for yoga teacher training. And she is Puerto Rican, and she's been using her wall just to post everything about what's happening over there. And it is, uh, it's just mind-blowing. So I wanted to put a link in our show notes for a place where you can donate. And it is, it's a Puerto Rican charity. I'll put it in the links, but it's called Puerto Rico Real-Time Recovery Fund so that you guys could see what it is and where it's going, this money. And it's uh, it actually is addressing the issue that FEMA isn't really going to take care of everything or everyone. And it's another opportunity to really start the rebuild process over there. It just seems like so much needs to happen for that little country in so many different levels. I don't even know how to Start, especially that now that the donations are coming in and the supplies are coming in and everything. And what I heard this morning too is that even though all of those supplies are coming in, there is no way to get them there because they don't have drivers to drive them there. And it's not that they don't have drivers as in like actual people to drive, really, but it's that you can't call them, you can't reach the people like you can't reach the surgeons to come and do the surgery. Right, You have to, right. You have to like, go get them. Like actually run to them wherever it is that they are. You got to do it like super old school.
0: <laughs> and, do you read, um, oh. do you read Buzzfeed at all?
1: No, I don't.
0: So there is a pretty good amount of coverage on Buzzfeed because I've been reading like a bunch of stuff about Puerto Rico on there. Uh-huh. For example, I read that pit bull came in a private yeah, plane did. and airlifted machines. people to the United States to get chemo so that they wouldn't die. Yep, I thought that was kind of cool. I read that 1.5 million people in Puerto Rico lack drinking water and the Trump administration denied a request to lift shipping restrictions to the island.
1: Yep. And also that big hospital boat that was supposed to be headed to Puerto Rico is no longer headed to Puerto Rico. It's just I guess it's just there because the go ahead hasn't happened.
0: Um, meanwhile he's walking around congratulating himself about what a good job he's doing and how he's getting A pluses. You know, and of course the I wanna say governor of Puerto Rico, but I'm not sure that's the, mayor, the right word. The woman? Governor I think it's the governor. No, it's a dude. Okay. Um, He's doing nothing but saying like, oh, thank you to the administration. You guys are awesome because he knows that the guy works solely on flattering. It's true. The more you flatter the guy, the more he'll do for you. Let's see. In a report, the Department of Defense outlined the harrowing situation in the U.S. territory, which was slammed last week. 44% of the island's 3.4 million people were without potable water Tuesday, while the local power grid suffered damage to 80% of the transmission system. 100% of the distribution system. The report also revealed that only 11 of 69 hospitals have either fuel or power. It's scary. It is Scary, scary, scary. scary.
1: And it's god-awful hot. And you're right.
0: It's like, how are you? Yeah. And it's god-awful hot. Well, it's god-awful hot here. No offense. I know.
1: Well, see, this is what I'm saying. It's like, I keep thinking back, and there's been times, because, you know, we've talked about this. Actually, when I was in the cabin, it was a lot worse. We used to lose power all the time where i was in the middle of doing something and all of a sudden it was like Poof, and it was gone it was just gone everything so then i had to like not open the fridge make sure that like there was always this level of preparation that i had to deal with there was a time that we were out of power for like a couple of days we had to start to figure out how to get the food inside of uh you know ice buckets and things like that to keep it fresh and all this kind of stuff and there were so many things i couldn't reach out and It was a pain. Of course it was a pain. There was no, I couldn't, uh, you know, we we needed flashlights. Like there's a level of whenever you don't have power, it really, it is perhaps one of the biggest issues to live your life. Because you can't, you honestly can't do anything. You can't go toast things. You can't, uh, like, here, we wouldn't be able to cook because it's an electric oven. So we would need to have little propane thingy-majiggers to be able to cook anything. You can't really do the majority of almost anything inside of a house without some kind of power. And could you imagine, like, an entire—oh, it's just so crazy. But
2: the thing is, you know, they don't—you choose—you go there willingly. You go to that portion of the country willingly to live like that.
1: No. Oh, me. Yeah. Of course. I know. Yet? That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. I actually did go there willingly. And it was very, I mean, it was very nice. And obviously. willingly. And I stayed willingly. And I completely understand that. But what it made me think about is that without power, I mean, there's so many little things that we took for granted. Like we didn't have internal heating either. So we actually had to go get wood to heat our home when it was cold. And you had to like just wear like really like we were wearing warm clothes in the house the entire time. Like it was layer upon layer upon layer. And then so and I'm not saying everybody's cut out for this stuff. I'm not saying that everybody needs to go through this. All I'm saying is that there is, um, I think, in our in, in countries that are well developed, like the United States, which is what we've done for a while, there is a disconnection to understand the way that the infrastructure works and how we are so comfortable, even when we're complaining about it. So whenever we would go to Pittsburgh and we would walk into Randy's mom's house, it was like, oh, my God, central heating, a couch. You know what I mean? So there were like things like that where it was like, whoa, this is like luxury. And then thinking that the entire country, like this is a whole entire country that was not like they didn't choose it they didn't say hey hurricane come and destroy the whole country please it's just insane so eh, i i don't know i'm, I'm just feeling I, i'm i'm just my heart is it's i don't know it's so hard so i just wanted you guys and especially for I, there's a couple of ladies in the she podcast group that are from puerto rico and they came and posted in the group too and It's so hard to start to think about them like podcasting, you know what I mean? Of all the things that you could do too, like to talk about that. And there was a woman who mentioned that there's another lady over there that's been broadcasting an AM for the radio over there, keeping people connected and making sure that conversations are happening over there on land. So. Anyway, please donate to Puerto Rico.
2: All the islands down there have been yeah. decimated by the hurricanes. I Absolutely. mean, one right they got two back to back. They didn't even get a chance to recover from the first one, no. and they got slammed by another one. So it was terrible.
1: Yeah, it's just so hard. So anyway, I just wanted to bring that and kind of talk about that as much as possible. But um, and I, but I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys. And now. Let's move and do some news. The news you can use for the informed podcaster, podcasting news. Dun, dun, dun. It seems like it's like the same news, but with like different players. Right? Because this one is actually about Panoply Podcast. It says Panoply Podcast could become TV shows and movies following the WME deal. And so this is on rainnews.com. Always, as l- links are going to be in the show notes. So, what it this might have is, been me. it's pretty exciting, though, isn't it? It's like, yeah, it's a lot. It seems like prior deals for WME News. Were kind of focused on one show, so you know, like when we were talking about Gimlet Media and startup and Amazon, you know, uh, adapting Gimlet's Homecoming kind of stuff. But this is actually kind of for the whole for the whole thing, which is kind of interesting to me. And I'm I'm assuming is it for current podcasts that are on Panoply, or maybe like just. Meaning, like, Panoply just keeps going, and then what if they get a new podcast, and then they would be added to it too?
0: Movies, television shows, and live events. I mean, that could just be the hosts doing live performances, like Malcolm Gladwell traveling, like, a book tour. Ah. It could be just that. It's movies, TV, and live events, and... I don't think it means there's a guarantee that any of that stuff's going to happen, just that they're going to work more towards it. Got it. I'm not really – I don't know if I'm that familiar with WME. Are they a talent agency? What the hell do they do?
1: I don't know. And it's funny how – this is, I guess, something for – uh j- journalism 101 i suppose cuz if you are writing about this i would love to see like panopolis has signed with agency wme and then like expand like wnme is a is an agency that you know it's w oh william morris william agency morris. they're
0: a huge crap. they're a huge talent agency yes they are william morris they fuck, they, they signed they yeah they, they uh represented charlie chaplin marilyn monroe they're Dan one of the Affleck.
1: big three. They're one of the big three absolutely. Not Damon. Oprah. We are such dorks. See, this is why you should you should have written W oh like William Morris Agency or I entertainment. Yeah, Cuz it would have been like so, what? Cuz WME so based- for most l- people, especially people like us like that are podcasting and whatnot like this that we know William Morris, but we don't yeah, know WME. W- yes. Right? <sighs> yeah. Jeez.
0: That's pretty big. Dedicated to creating compelling content for our listeners and continue to invest in a wide variety of original programming. We're thrilled to work with WME to bring these stories to new forms of media and entertainment. I mean, maybe William Morris can help them, yeah, like develop into TV shows, develop into
1: movies, or... Or maybe even just the talent itself, you know, which I think is really important Yeah, for some people, like... um yeah, absolutely. If they have a shining star inside of Panoply that might want a little, a little extra exposure or maybe they can develop a show that's based on it. I mean, they're the ones that do the Dexter Guff show. Are they? Well, see, that's great. because that, yeah, that, that guy needs be, an agent. Yeah, that guy
0: needs an agent. He <laughs> could do a guy lot.
1: That needs an agent.
0: He does.
1: Yeah, so moving.
0: Show. Let me look at their shows. Hold on.
1: Panoply? Yeah, I'm just curious. What would we do with Panoply? What would we do with Panoply if we were like here? You have if we had the leverage that like William Morris has, what would we do with that talent?
2: Well, right now, someone we're trying to watch Elsie get her internet to work in the middle of the woods. Oh my and god! And yeah. Somebody would be over at Jess's house watching her how to podcast without a, without a mic stand
0: i have and, a mic stand
2: oh okay it doesn't sound like it but okay
0: no. i know because i know i'm trying to get comfortable don't forget i also have food poisoning okay oh so her
1: belly your belly is my not my tummy feeling, hurts so- yes yeah
0: so i'm fidgeting a little bit today i do have a mic stand it's not in my boobs
2: okay Sometimes I just thought that maybe you were wrestling with a bear. No. wasn't sure. <laughs> Not that the people will hear that. I'll cut it all out. But sometimes it sounds like you're wrestling a bear over there.
0: Um, yeah. I mean, they do another round. I don't know that any of these shows are worthy of television at this moment. Because it's like, aside from revisionist history, it's, oh, Making a Murderer. There's a show about that. Ooh, there's a Better Call Saul podcast. Something called A Cast of Kings. Oh, that's Game of Thrones, Pregnancy Confidential, Girl Boss is on there. You saw how well that went. Yeah. I think it got canceled after the first season. I mean, I read that there nowhere was there a worse portrayal of a millennial than Girl Boss. Yeah. <laughs> than the Girl Boss show. Dirt Cat, like, I don't know. Another round could be good. Um, Heaven and Tracy. Yeah, I think it could. And Dexter Guff would be hilarious to like give him his own reality show. That would be so funny. But I don't know. I mean, I guess that's a good move. It's certainly a
1: high-profile move, but what does that mean? I don't know. We'll see. I think it's more of a merging of the industries.
2: Isn't it really just regular media looking for a place to pull talent, like yes. a bullpen?
1: It, it eventually, I think essentially that's yeah, what it is. Is is that it's to pull talent as well as to bring a little bit of juice back inside, like a creative juices back into a stagnant industry because it seems to always be. Like the entertainment mainstream industries are very sort of like, if this worked, let's just do that with a tiny little difference. You know, if there were like TV shows like Orange is a New Black and it's all about being in prison, let's just create like there's like three or four other TV shows now that are about being in prison. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like there's a lot of that same thing. Let's just reinvent what already is working and let's just add a little bit of difference. And this is actually stepping into a different foray. Like I think it would, something like Revisionist History or even another ground can have possibilities in creating a different type of consumption, a different type of show. And I feel that, how cool would it be though to have something that like is a TV show for those, but that really feeds onto the podcast itself like the podcast doesn't become that the lesser thing but it becomes a vital part of the show itself in some way
0: i have no idea what you mean
1: yeah like it's like it, that it doesn't have to be a fictional thing like meaning the show the tv show doesn't have to just end at being a tv show that it's, the, but that it keeps on feeding on itself, meaning that maybe the the ladies of another round are constantly talking about the podcast when they are. Maybe it is about. Uh, maybe they were are going to do like segments, sort of like entertainment tonight. Not entertainment. I'm using the wrong thing, but like sort of like a type of entertainment tonight, where the ladies are going to different places and maybe interviewing or commenting on the news articles that they have touched base on or gone deeper inside of the show or maybe getting other people that to talk about the themes that they're talking about in an episode but all of that could be a deeper expression inside of their show itself so the show doesn't really ever change and it's driving more people to listen to podcasts does that make sense i have an idea what
2: I- i'll give That's this a, a
0: terrible pan- idea for a show
2: i'll give it the panoply play for nothing Okay. So the the premise of the show is there's a person who really wants to podcast and that's all they want to do. They have no talent. They don't, when I say talent, they have no real skills or anything like that. They don't do anything that really, so what the whole TV show is just them trying to find content, where they go in the supermarket, in the drive-through line, just driving around or something like that. And they're trying to find something to have to put on the podcast. And in the beginning of the TV show, it's them starting the podcast and then as they're talking, they flash to where the ideas came from. And at the end, they end the podcast. There you go. You're welcome. Okay. <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> really? Crickets?
1: <laughs> I don't think you
0: guys watch enough television. We don't. I <laughs> okay. think, you know what?
1: I'm not. I, the thing is, I don't watch it because it's all the same. So It's I, obvious. <clears throat> yeah.
2: Uh, they said that about Seinfeld, too.
1: Plus, like, my favorite kind of channel is, like, the Discovery (laughs) Channel, you know, stuff like that, like, National Geographic stuff. Like, I love all of those new ways of, like, like public television. I love public television, especially local public television. (laughs) Therefore, I probably wouldn't be a TV exec. Do you see that? I I wouldn't be a very good TV exec at all. At all. No. No, I wouldn't. Nor do I want to be. I don't know. Alright, so do we want to talk about more money then? Because we're talking about entertainment and all that stuff. And so ACAST got more money, dude. ACAST raised nineteen. They got a lot more money. 0.5 million to grow its podcasting platform. So it will so anyway, they're based in Europe. That's where ACAST is primarily the hub is over there. And they've gotten nineteen point five million to come to the US and enter new markets over here. I'm just not sure why. Why do they need it? Yeah.
0: Well, if I had to guess, I would say that they want more money so that they can, look, I mean, it's kind of like what we were saying before, like they're all wanting to, I mean, it says grow its platform in the US and enter new markets. So you know basically they want more people to host with them and they want to start i mean all these companies are trying to develop the technology that the standardized technology gimlet raised money for, you know they want money for creating content acast wants money i think for creating technology because they have their their thing acast has that it's kind of like libsyn you host on there and then they sell dynamic insertion and regular ads so what what else could they possibly need it for I don't know. ACAST wouldn't c- confirm how many listeners, but it did provide one vague metric. <laughs> the company claims 56 Sweet. million listens per month, a listen defined as an audio segment that's listened to at least 60 seconds. Also, there are 2,000 creators on the platform. Sweden has an illustrious history of producing renowned and audio-focused tech startups. They helped fund tech cl- uh, SoundCloud. And ACAST is a long way off from reaching the giddy highs of either of those companies, SoundCloud or Spotify. But that's kind of like why they went to Sweden, I guess, is because they've done SoundCloud and Spotify, and they seem to be doing well. I think ACAST wants to become maybe like a Spotify, but podcasting only.
1: I guess.
2: Do they get the concept of podcasting where it really shouldn't be on a network where you can download and take it with anywhere and the freedom of that? They all want to turn it into something where you have to sit in front of something and listen to or listen to it a certain time. Am i wrong in that?
0: It's odd. This says they just want to grow a suite of tools that considers the creator and the listener. ACAST is fundamentally changing the global radio a landscape as we know it. The content environment is shifting quickly and as radio becomes less and less relevant, audio on demand will take its place. You know, they want I told you they want to change it to on on demand audio on demand because it's easier to track and measure success. Acast had already raised thirteen million dollars, and when a company raises money and then goes back for more, they have to show that they used the money for this and made this. So now they want this amount of money. It's kind of like, look, I borrowed a dollar, I made four. Now I need to borrow ten dollars because we plan on making a hundred. And they have to show that somehow. They don't just get handed over money willy nilly and like pray that it works out. They have to show projections and income streams and, um, you know, areas of growth and what the money's for and what they're going to do with it. They have to break it out into either percentages or actual dollars, like we're going to spend $2 million on this and $3 million on this, and we're going to spend $4 million traveling around and going to all the different podcasting shows, and we're going to spend $6 million hiring developers. I mean, they have to show every penny and what it's for. All right. I mean, I'm not going to say that like, yeah, I mean, maybe we're a little jealous, but we could raise money for stuff if we wanted. We just don't have anything to raise money for, nor would we know who to ask. Right. Right. But it's not like someone out there is like like jet setting with P. Diddy. They're working their tits off.
1: Well, it depends. To I did see some articles about the way that SoundCloud, one of the reasons that SoundCloud was been has been bleeding money. One of them was some of their their cultural sort of like uh, the things that they would do inside of the company that aren't necessarily something to, to build culture, like morale inside of 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 how cool it was to work for SoundCloud where they would do extra things for the people who work there as well as, you know, I, I think one of the CEOs used to go to Burning Man every year and that was like, he would just detach from the company itself. Like you couldn't really even find him because he was at Burning Man for a week, you know, stuff like that where it seemed like there was a little too much of the let's hobnob kind of thing coming from the CEOs and they were just mishandling some of the funds. So That's all I'm saying. It's like you get the $19.5 million and then I'd like to set up a business plan that actually works with the people who are really awesome that I'd love to work with. But that doesn't mean that I have to get the coolest, most amazing looking digs for them to come work in in the office. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think that's all. All all I'm saying is that it just... And and I'm judging right now because I think that that's where it's going or maybe that's what it is. It's more about marketing because I do feel that with a lot of these companies, the majority of the money goes to... PR and marketing, getting covered in the media, making sure people are talking about them all the time, which is Acast has done a fantastic job from the beginning, putting out in front, like new things like oh you could do this, oh you could do this with us. We we are doing things differently when really they aren't. They just they are fancy. They've got a lot of great marketing stuff going for them. Th- this has been happening mm-hmm. behind the scenes. It's just that you guys are fancy. You've got like, you know, the great outfit And people like new shiny stuff and great websites and fantastic branding. They have really great like a front facing thing is really awesome. It's just the back end stuff that is like they're still figuring that out as well in terms of monetization and how to make the money. That's all. I'm just that's I just I hope that they do well with that money because it makes me sad if that money is being put into the space and we as an industry don't see a benefit from it. That's all. Yes, but the point is that we will see a benefit. How could we not? If if something like so a company like Acast fails after getting a 19 point, like actually not more than that, 20, all 30, 30 plus million dollars into the industry and they still didn't do it, would you be thinking that uh, podcasting is a place to be investing in?
0: Mm No. That's all I'm saying. But I'd have to look at the industry overall. I hear what you're saying. That's all. And is you that know? a
2: bad thing for podcasting? If these guys come in here with all this money, throw it around, can't make just because they're in here throwing money around, are they putting out a good product? That's and that's, if they're not, yeah, that's it. Is that helping podcasting or hurting podcasting? That's no, no matter said. what these big guys do, it doesn't matter. We who love the podcast and want to continue the podcast will do it, whether they're here or not. The amount of, to yeah, me, they're an annoyance.
1: That's totally true. And also, you know, it's, what's interesting is that, again, like anything else, money gets you in. Money gets you access. So even if they are – maybe they are not quite into the pulse of what podcasting is really, like the industry itself, they might get in – with the big players that have been around. And I'm even talking about people like the people at Public Radio who have been in the business of creating amazing audio content out there, that have, even radio industry folks that have been out there and have done all this stuff. But just because you do have the funding and you have the dream that you get access to it. And I would like, I would like them to have something to back that access up as well. I want that. I want them to step in and actually be into the space so that they could really impact the way things are moving versus just redoing things that have already been done with more money. That's all. I'm not like negative about it. I just kind of want to know. Yeah. Well,
0: I don't know. Look at all the people that are redoing things that have already been done. I mean, why are there so many podcast networks? Why are there so many hosting companies? Why are there so many podcasting events? Why are there so many people who make barbecue sauce? (laughs) Again and again.
1: Because everybody loves a different type of barbecue sauce. Yeah.
0: But, But essentially, it's all the same thing. Same with ketchup.
1: You can buy ketchup
0: like four brand, five brands of ketchup. The main, yeah, ones. and
1: there's and you can make some at your house too. And so it and, and you're right; it takes a different type of person to do like a, a for you to be at home and make ketchup yourself, and sort of reinvent the way that ketchup is made by yourself at home.
0: Not everyone can manufacture ketchup, right? Not everyone can you know that takes money. Not everyone can bottle it and label it and ship it. That takes money and staff.
1: And some people just want ketchup for themselves, for their own home. And they don't want to manufacture ketchup. The trouble
0: is when the home cook gets jealous of the label brands. And they want them to go away because no one wants corporate ketchup.
2: I think that's a little unfair, and I'll tell you why. Because most people, this is basically down to two things: can you be enter- entertaining enough to hold an audience, and can you do it on a regular basis? That's it. That's basically what podcasting. No, it's is. not.
0: It's absolutely really it not. Is. No, That's all you need not. to do. That's, you are wrong.
2: No, if you ha- if you could do that, you can make money at this. Whether Holy the big guys shit. coming in, you can.
0: You're. You're wrong. You also have to be able to market it. You also have to be able to to uh, get people to listen. That is the part that takes the most work. That is that the was part one. That, and,
2: that was part that, of one and two of my. That was one and two of my. Two no, it's
0: not. To, you said to, entertain and hold an audience.
2: Yes, that's part of it. Yes, to entertain and hold an audience. But and if you do those two, the other things will come.
0: That's not true, though. Look at all the comics that are hilarious that have failed. Why? They can't travel. They don't have a good agent. They're negative. They want things the way they want them. They act like divas. They don't want to market. They hate the internet.
2: They're not that funny.
0: A lot of them are. Who? You have to work like a dog to be successful in anything you do. And this is no different. Podcasting is no different. You have to market yourself like crazy. You have to set up a system. You have to invest in marketing tools. I mean, like, otherwise, no one ever listens. I'll give you a perfect example. I was just talking to one of a client that Elsie and I share. Her name is Barbara. And if you're listening, hi Barbara. Hi, Barbara. We love um, you. Barbara was Barbara was telling me she has a show called How to Save the World. Social Activism and Something Else for the Everyday Person. And sustainable but living. She, And sustainability. Thank you. Now, I asked her, what is, you know, she said to me, I've been a social activist for 25 years. I, You know, I I, I don't care if the show, you know, I mean, eventually I'd like it to make money. But really, I'm just doing it to change the world. I have to change the world. But then also in her intake form, it says, I hate social media. I'm not good with marketing. I don't want, you know, I feel weird about this or that. So to me, I'm just like, so wait a minute. Your whole purpose of doing the show is to make a difference in the world, like, yet you don't want to tell anyone about it. How are you going to make a difference in the world if no one knows it exists? You can't. You can never. Your marketing has to be on point. Everyone you know has to know you're doing this podcast or your difference in the world is a ripple, not a wave. And, she, and I said, you need to tell people you've been an activist for 25 years. She goes, well, I don't know if I, you know, I, I'm not an official social activist. I said, would you consider Elsie an official social activist? She said, yes. I said, well, she doesn't have a card, you know, a membership card and a pin either. She just does it. You've been doing it a long time. You're 62 years old. I would but, consider, what,
2: but what? I have two questions. Is the show entertaining and can it hold an audience?
1: She is amazing. She's amazing, John. And that's why I'm like, that's why I agree with Jess a 100% on this. I've been working with Barbara for so long. Barbara's content is some of the top content out there with the kind of energy she puts out. Her shows have blown my mind. She does so much research on there. Her voice is amazing. She's got a real quirky kind of way that she delivers her content. She can absolutely hold an audience. Absolutely. But... There's no like the other part of it isn't there. And I think that I, I completely agree with Jess. The thing is, you can have that. The ladies from the E-League, a lot I, like some of them have some of the best content that I've heard out there in podcasting. And one of the reasons I started the E-League is because I was sick of listening to ladies whose content is amazing that were not getting listened to. I was like, what's right. the problem? And I think and so what I'm what I'm saying with Jess is like, yeah, we do need to learn how to market. We also need to really make sure that ourselves as producers know how to market ourselves to our people. But anyway, anyway, yes, I think that's a problem. I think because, it is a huge issue. Because here's the
0: thing, John, you're funny. You can hold an audience, but you focus on I mean, if you're too focused on the content, no one's gonna listen to it because no one's gonna know about it. Ben Franklin's world is a perfect example. That woman is an is a academic. She's a professional academic. She gets paid to learn. That's it. Her branding is tight. She has a system for marketing. She has a group of people that she engages with. She tweets like nobody's business. She works her ass off to keep that show growing over and over and over again. She got her own sponsors for a really long time. I mean, like she hustles her ever living ass off. She has no idea how to do that. She had to learn how to do that stuff.
2: I mean, any any of that money that's coming into the podcast space now helping any of those podcasters that you're talking about right now?
1: You know what? All that woman needs is a marketing system. No, No, you know what, Um, John, you you brought up a really great point because I had a conversation with one of the founders, one of the co-founders of Radio Public, you know, and I was sitting with him and, you know, I was giving him my whole spiel about podcasting advocacy and we had a really fantastic conversation. And then he said, you know what podcasters need the most is somebody to help them do what you're asking right now. Because we find even in Radio Public, what their mission is, the app itself, is to be able to really push out the content of the producers. Like they they want to get shows out. They want to get people listening. That's one of their biggest things. That's why they create playlists. That's why they actually have somebody in there who is whose sole job is to listen to podcasts and create playlists on Radio Public. That's what she does herself. Amazing team. I love their mission. And he said that whatever all podcasters are missing is their ability to essentially market themselves at a high level. And I'm not saying I'm I'm going to give
0: it to them. I've had it with it. I've had it with it. I'm going to have to give it to the, I, the whole reason that I'm, I'm, uh, I didn't, I don't think I told you that, but I'm partnering with team podcast to help me with some of the agency stuff so I can start creating these courses because I can't do one more, one more consulting call or one more representation intake with people who have this amazing content, but absolutely no marketing system, terrible branding and 300 listeners a week. Like, and then asking me, how soon can I get a sponsor? I mean, you need to, I mean, with an agency. You need 2,000 downloads an episode and even that is $60 an ad. It's not worth either one of our times. But with 300 on your own, you can make a killing. But you also have to focus on growth. You have to right now. Right when the, I mean, I just started a show with Ramona. I'm about to start a show with Melissa. I've been working on a show with, um, Heather Osgood. Three shows and I'm under panic, not because I can't record them, but because I know what it takes to grow these things into successes and the weight of it is killing me. Yeah. It's not, I already have to, our marketing yeah. system down for She Podcast. Like that's already done. That's been a system for three years already, but to, but to start that up again it is exhausting.
1: It's a lot. It's a lot. And and then I think that it it actually burns you out. And I think part of the process is too, Jess, that even with teaching this stuff out there, there's going to come a level where you, the podcaster, don't have the bandwidth to do what's necessary to be able to put this stuff out there. Aurora
0: does it all right now because I don't have the bandwidth.
1: Yeah, like with even Aurora does it. There, I know, Aurora's, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot, we outsource the she podcast stuff. Even though I wish we could do more, I have to say, I, I, I just don't have the time. Lipson hires me to do that for them. And I spent like at least 10 hours on a production week to promote the feed. Just that. Yeah. And then I just have that. to keep up. Just that. And so, and then, but, but at the same time, everything that I do for Libsyn in terms of building community, building conversations, making sure that I'm getting the right things out on social media, that takes out the, that is actually, that is my job. That's what I do all the time. I love it, but it takes a lot of work because I'm not just putting random content out. I'm not just going like like whenever I do anything for Libsyn, I read like I have completely separate links that I put in for she podcast for us to discuss and things that I put on the Libsyn page for discussion because they are completely different audiences. I also know that there's also a specific mission that is behind Libsyn. So there are some things that it doesn't behoove me to start to talk about a cast on the Libsyn page because that's just not it makes no sense. But in a podcast, I'd love to talk about that stuff because it's a lot much of a it's it's a larger sort of conversation. What I'm saying is that it takes so much energy in my own head to be able to go like, OK, this is a link for that. And this is a that. But then I don't just want to put the link. I have to put the link. And I also have to guide the discussion. I have to say, like, OK, here's a new microphone. What do you guys think? Do you think this microphone is going to help somebody that's a beginner? Right. That's a very specific question versus ooh, new microphone. Who's getting it? That's a totally other discussion.
0: But just for the average, I mean, because Elsie does a podcast for a specific community. But John, I've heard you saying get that you know make them go play in their own sandbox. You say that all the time, but but I always end up wondering like, why can't you play in their sandbox? Like why why does your logo have to be whatever your co-host decided to drum up with his three random fonts? Like why? Why can't you go on Fiverr and get a real logo and then you you know what I mean? And get a marketing system when you have, you know, at your fingertips people who can give you an actual system that you can use to really grow the show, to make you I mean, comedy shows, first of all, are very hard to grow. It's very hard to get a consistent audience. You have to be on it every time because people will listen once and in five minutes, if they don't think you're funny, they're not gonna subscribe. Whereas like if it's something Like a tutorial show, they'll motor through the bullshit to get to the part where they think they're going to learn something. Comedy, you have to be on all the time. And you, my friend, are funny. And so if you're going to be funny and you want to be successful at it, it really is a lot more than just putting a show out and hoping – You know, people are are on Facebook Live when you happen to be on there. You have to let them know when you're going to do it. Your Facebook Live starts in 10 minutes. You have to tell them on Twitter. You have to tell them on Facebook. You have to tell them on Instagram if you guys are on Instagram. You have to send an email, grow an email list, let them know, hey, this is what we talked about on the show this week and find out why John did this and find out why this guy did that. Like, you have to talk to your audience almost constantly or they forget about you.
2: It's passion is why I do what I do. It's not because I want 25 hours for every thousand listeners that I have, it's the passion of putting out something that I'm proud of. I don't care if anybody likes it, to be quite honest with you. That's what I want. Where other people come in and they're going to start a podcast because they want to quit their day job. And you know there's nothing wrong with that. But my thing is that some people are charging in here and they're using technology that's coming from another business, another area of media, and they're trying to crowbar that into what's going on here now. And honestly, I don't see it working, but okay, that's just me. I don't see it working because I see right now they've come in, they've changed the stat system to go with the IAB or the AIB or whatever that thing is that they just did. And everybody's stats dropped, not everybody, a bunch of people's stats dropped off. And people now are like, why am I podcasting? Because before I was getting a thousand downloads per episode and now I'm getting 400. What just happened? We do this, we, I do this as a passion. I'm passionate about it. I, I don't make money at this. I spend a ton of money at doing this, okay? And I do it for the passion of podcasting, for the art and the craft of podcasting. I love watching people come in just like Elsie does and, and you do where they come in and they have something that's a great show. And then what happens is we as podcasters try to grow this. And these other companies come in and throw millions of dollars around. And then if they don't do it right, they give the whole medium a black eye. And then they just pick up and leave. -hmm. They put their money on the on the nightstand drawer. They get up and walk out of the room, and we're sitting there crying and shaking. That's Mm -hmm. why I don't like it. Because if they fail, we all go down. All right, you want somebody? You want a brand new pilot to come walking into a plane he's never flown before? Give the other pilot a couple million dollars to get out of the cockpit and let him try to fly you to California. (laughs) I don't but I why don't do you want think that.
0: we'll all go down i
2: mean they we were, we were here before all going this these guys these guys throw millions of dollars around It don't mean it doesn't matter i they i will flee on the hair of their finger and they don't know who i am i don't care who they are but as a podcasting industry there are people that are in here trying to make money and trying to do things that i consider the right way and they're just coming in throwing a bunch of money around throwing a bunch of crap up against the wall and seeing if it sticks if it doesn't work out They just leave. They just come in and destroy the place and leave. And we have to pick up the pieces. What do you mean? What's being destroyed if it doesn't work out for them? Because people are going to say, oh, I was listening to podcasts. It's horrible. Why would you listen to a podcast? Because whoever's going to start listening to a podcast for the very first time, if they come in and they don't have a good experience, they're gone. They're never coming back.
0: I'm not sure I see how their money, you mean because they're not developing good shows?
2: We don't know that. All we know is they're putting in something point, something million, and they're going to start shows, or they're going to start a streaming thing, or now it's it's a listen is... 60 seconds of a segment is a listen. It's not a download.
0: Yeah, it's a listen. Yeah.
2: Right. Now, all of a sudden, we got listens. So, all you have to do is get your audio in front of somebody's ear for 60 seconds, and you got a listen. They couldn't tell you what was on it.
0: technically, that's not so bad. An email, you only get seven seconds before that's... You know what I mean? So... I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't see how what happens in their part of the industry affects us that much. Podcasting will still be there because it was there before. And it will be there again, even if television shows are made and movies are made and celebrities do it or don't do it. I don't know that I am 100% positive that they're I could be
2: 100% wrong on this whole thing. I, I admit that. I could be 100% wrong. I'm not saying wrong.
0: you are. I'm, I'm pontificating with you. Hmm. I'm thinking with you. I don't know. Elsie's really,
2: know. really quiet, and that makes me nervous. She's
1: thinking, too. If I to ask. <laughs> no,
2: no, she's, she's got a thought. Trust me. She's just not saying it. That makes me nervous.
1: No, I'm just, you know, it's just, it's very, it is a complicated process. And then I, you know, and I hear you, John, too, in terms of the, I think when, when I get stuck is when we have that passion. You know, when you do have a passion as a podcaster, and you start this because it's a passion project, and then it becomes something more. It actually becomes Something you really, it's like your thing. It becomes like it grows so much inside of you that you really want to make it More of a sustainable thing to not only give you income but also give you other things with it, right? So that also brings tools to the table. You, there are certain tools that I think a lot of us that started with the passion are missing, which are basic business sort of one-on-one type of thing and the things that we have to do. And you know what Jess is talking about is you know playing in somebody else's playground or like we don't have to play in their playground or what does it matter to you and whatnot. I don't know, you know, I think I kind of agree with her that I think that there's a part of what we're doing I think we're just going to keep on doing it there is a, a level of what we do it's sort of like in a different tier I was just thinking about golfing you know that there's a lot of people who love to golf and are really passionate about golf and invest a lot in golf and it's a very expensive sport as well as bi- biking you know cycling is a, also a very expensive sport and there's a lot of people that really invest in it and they will continue to invest in it and they might even start teaching how to do certain things but they're never going to be pro players you you know, they're never going to be in the, in the industry of being like professional golfers. That's a whole other thing. And I, I don't really ever see like golfers that are doing it because they love to golf that are like the ones that are just doing it every weekend because they just adore it, really complaining about what's happening in the pro circuit. Mind you, I don't have a golfer in my life, nor anybody that likes golf in my life. I mean, a couple of friends here and there, Same. but- you know, so I can't really comment on how they how upset they would get about something that's happening in the industry of golfing because I have no knowledge. But I, you know, I would think that I'd be more interested in golfing, like getting better at it. And it's expensive, absolutely. You know, that's what I'm saying. And so I think you. that there's a there's also a level where no, if if the industry itself, if like you know, the, you know, whatever, what's his name? Oh, gosh, how come I forgot his name? You know, the big the one that had the breakdown and the drugs and the and cheated on his wife and i feel so bad for him now because that's how i remember him it's
2: half of america but yeah that's
1: true the golfing dude i cannot remember i can't oh
2: tiger woods tiger
1: woods oh my god i know he was like a uh, anyway but see isn't that sad that that's how i remember him now so anyway he kind of you know brought like as, as high as he brought the golfing industry and the, and the profession of golf, he also brought it down a lot with some of his behavior, right? So it impacted the sport, but I don't think that it impacted the people who really love golf and want to go golfing every day and the way that they engage with the golf and the classes that they take and the way that they might teach their kids to golf or maybe other children may, you know, they might've looked up to Tiger Woods, but they never stopped golfing, I don't think. So
2: but what happens anyway. is if we could you still use your analogy, if all of a sudden all these people with all this money came in and they decided that they were going to take up all the tea times and you couldn't get into it or if it was now they just raised the price of being able to golf or they changed all, right. all the if clubs for, yeah, where you're I doing something like that, then all of a sudden my golf game isn't the golf game again. And anything you can talk about, like I'm a big poker player, love to play poker, love the game, just like I love podcasting, same thing, same kind of passion. The problem is that I'm not good enough poker player to play with the best in the world. Only 10% of the poker players make a living at it, but there's a ton of people that play the game because they have that passion. They one day want to make it to that to that 10%. Some of them will never make it there. Same thing.
1: Yeah, I, I would say I don't think that podcasting is going to do that though, John. I hope not anyway, that, meaning that I want to go play golf and like the tea time is different and the amount that I have to pay now is different because it's kind of shifted. I don't, I hope that that doesn't happen. In fact, that will. I have
2: a hairy eyeball on these guys. I don't Just know. Just telling you right now. Ladies. Just, yeah.
1: But I <laughs> think, you know, eyeballs. if you guys, I mean, we can even ask our audience. I mean, if you guys think about some of this transition, if if it really feels that it's going to affect your experience of podcasting as a passion for, and I'm reaching out to the majority of the passion podcasters here, not necessarily the ones that are, Coming into the space to have impact and sort of like add to their existing sort of business models. But like the ones that started because they were like, Ooh, I want to do that. And then you started doing it and you found love with it. And you kind of like are like, This is it, man. I just love it so much. I want to keep doing it. Those people, why don't you let us know what you think about this? And then um, we yeah. should probably move and then on. We can move on. Yeah. <laughs> Weird and wild show of the week for you now. Weird and wild, weird and wild. Weird and wild. Show of the week. All right, so Preet Bharara started his podcast. We reported it on, on it a couple of times actually last uh in a few episodes ago and he finally launched the when show. When Preet is? Preet. Oh my gosh. Now I'm going to have to like look out his look up his his thing He's attorney general. general, right? Isn't he
0: ex-attorney general? Ex. Yes. Ex yeah.
1: Uh, Ex-Attorney General of the United States. And um, so he started a podcast to explain, to, basically to start to like follow, talk about the justice system, all the behind the scenes and his first episode. Just, you? No, you didn't listen. I should even ask. No, I didn't um, listen to it. I know, am sorry. But it's like, it, it was so amazing because he actually gave. Okay, so everything that I know about Preparara... And everything that happened, the way he got fired by Donald Trump and all the stuff, was all through the news, right? You only see pictures of him. And he is a very, like, serious man. Like, I don't—and, of course, he's, there's pictures of him smiling and stuff like that. But you—it's like, you think that he's Preet Bharara. Oh, my gosh. And so I felt that he was going to be very, very serious. So in this first episode, he gives a play-by-play on what happened when he got fired, and it's really great. He's such a wonderful storyteller. Whoever, were, I mean, obviously he must be a fantastic lawyer because lawyers are actually very good storytellers. They have to tell the story when they go, you know, work on a case and whatnot. He he was so great. He gave all the facts. He laid them out. Uh, he, di- he didn't necessarily say, he basically was just like, this is what happened and this is what I was ready for. And then but this is, and then that, this happened and then, then I was fired and I left. <laughs> I thought it was wow. it was so great. I mean, it was so, because he just gave you another way, another bit of insider information from his point of view, and it was just so classy and kind of fun to listen to. It was like, <gasps> ooh, um, not gossipy at all, but really great. Really loved it. He also um, had another episode that I listened to here, too, where he just um, they were talking about a civil rights lawyer who, who came in and started to talk to him about. In fact, her title is a lot bigger than what I just mentioned. She, but I can't remember any of the stuff because my mama brain doesn't really necessarily uh, help. But he's right. he's having he had um, Vanita Gupta, who led the Justice Department Civil Rights Division under President Obama. That's who she was. My God. Fantastic conversation. Because you can also like, there's a couple of questions that he asked her that, or that she was actually going on about something, and then he would turn around and go, "But, but wait, 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 let's talk about that a little bit more." Like you could hear the lawyer coming out, and he was so wonderful and pleasant and sweet, and you just thought, like, no wonder he was such a wonderful lawyer. He could get you to do all kinds of stuff just by the way that you he. Asked sell to a nun. <laughs> But anyway, I love his podcast. I think it's great. <laughs> now leading me to the World and Wild Show of the Week. Randomly, now Joe Biden has a daily podcast. That daily. was shocking. Daily. Which was Live like. Live a- to you
0: from Wilmington, Delaware. and Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden.
1: So that's what I was. I'm a little. Uh, that was a little bit of a shock. Like, I'm not sure I would be. I mean, yeah. I like Joe Biden. I do. I like him. But I'm not sure I would listen to a daily Joe Biden podcast.
0: I'm not going to lie. It sounds a little bit like your grandpa's trying to teach you the ways of the world. Like, John, do you have a clip from it?
2: Hey, I'm Joe Biden, and this is Biden's Briefing. Biden's Briefing is my latest project. Each edition of the briefing will feature articles, essays, and posts that made an impression on me and that I want to share with you. Biden's Briefing isn't just a collection of stories I've enjoyed. It's part of a much bigger conversation. The world is changing quickly. Now more than ever, we need to broaden our perspective to be better informed. The better informed we are, the better decisions we can make. And by listening to one another, I believe we can arrive at a consensus.
0: Because I just have to say this, like when he said, when listening to one another, I thought I just can see him like talking to his grandchildren. Now you two, you listen to each other, respect one another. You can't be fighting like this in the middle of the park. (laughs) Guys got to love each other. Take care of each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same voice that Pop-Pop uses. Aww. You know what I mean?
2: Can almost hear that clickety-clack of, uh, you know, of false teeth. teeth.
0: Yes, totally. Aww. First of all, um, I've met his wife, Jill. She came to one of my shows. Like, I produced a show a couple of years ago, and she was in attendance. <gasps> oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, there's there's actually a picture of me on Facebook with her. She's a lovely woman, beautiful woman. They are just the night and Bo Biden I met. Bo came to my house. We were living in our old neighborhood when he was um running for I think attorney general here, he went door to door and just shook the hands of anybody who would answer the door. And when Scott saw who it was, he was like, Hey, that's Bo Biden. They answered the door. He wasn't the vice president yet or anything like that. It was years ago. It was like ten years ago. No, maybe more. Twelve years ago. Anyway, so I opened the door and it turns out that Bo and Scott went to high school together.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: Like they both went to, I know they both went to Mount Pleasant. So, and then, um, the other day I was in, I was getting coffee in Greenville, which is like right around the corner from my house. And I overheard the, um, barista talking to the waitress about how Joe comes in, gets his coffee there like early in the morning. <laughs> VP Joe comes in and gets his coffee with the secret service and like. It is really good coffee, but I just think it's funny because it's like a stone's throw from where I am. So I'm wondering, I want to know, like, is he doing this? Did he build himself a little podcast studio in Greenville here? Or like, how is he doing these?
1: Who's like, it's not on network, right? I don't, I didn't go searching that deep into what this is. I can check his feed. Let's find
0: out. Hold on. Let me. Yeah. Let me look. Hold on. Let me, let's look. Biden.
1: Biden's briefings. But you know what's really interesting, though? It's just that, okay, so there are two different sides. One of them, I'm not sure I would listen to his daily podcast. But there's something very nice that a 74-year-old man. And he's such a nice man. Can get up. A, a, then can just start doing a daily thing. Like, what if this is what he's wanted to do all his life? And now he's like, I'm just going to do a podcast. <laughs> you know?
0: Um, it looks like he is doing it from his house. This is his house. He's doing it from his what do house. I mean, this is his that's house. the most adorable thing. I mean, there's pictures of if you go to Bidensbriefing.com and you scroll down, it's Biden's Briefing curated by VP Joe B. What Joe wants you to know, every day Vice President Joe Biden looks to the news across the nation that's sparking convos, sharing the articles and opinions he's reading, entertaining, informative, thought provoking. He doesn't always agree with them, but they've got something to say. Then you scroll down further and you see Joe at his desk with a mic. Then you see Joe with his mic talking to somebody else while somebody's reading in the background, the picture of him and Obama on the wall. Then you see Joe, like a close-up of Joe at the table. I don't know. I'm pretty sure this is not in Washington. This looks like, you know, there's a fireplace back there. I mean, it's a very White house looking office, but where else? You know, how else, when you're Joe Biden, how do you decorate your
1: house? It's like leather and American flags, right? That's what you yeah. do. He also has a very weird feed. This is the kind of feed I've never seen before. He's got It says
0: content partners. Yeah, well his Axios, feed has though- Bloomberg, BuzzFeed, HuffPo, Wired, Vice, Politico, MSNBC.
1: H- yeah, but I, what I'm telling you is that his feed that is mean? is at Usually when you see people's feeds inside of iTunes, like it'll say, like if it's hosted on on Blueberry, it'll have like essentially the URL of your website slash feed. That's usually when it's like that. Or if it's a Spreaker feed, Spreaker will be in there or something like that. If it's a Libsyn feed, like she podcasts, you know, dot Libsyn dot com slash RSS is our RSS feed for Joe Biden. It says API dot spoken dot com slash feed slash channel slash Biden Slash X slash a bunch of different letters and numbers all together. So I have no idea where he's hosting his stuff. So anyway, I'm just I'm anyway, just it's crazy. I know. So good, good for weird you, Joe wild. Biden. Weird and wild, weird and wild weird show and wild. of the week, man. So I think to close off the show, yeah. we'll just like touch base on a little bit of uh, <laughs> information that has come from Twitter. Which is uh that oh they they are testing out a two hundred and eighty character expansion to their tw- They're doubling the character limit. <laughs> they're doubling the characters. For some people they say that they're testing the character expansion. Testing. Testing. Not gonna lie,
2: it. I'm upset about this. I've been complaining like about either. this for two years. I don't Wait, like what do you mean? I, I want the two hundred and eighty characters. Oh, I you want to stay
0: at one forty.
2: Now, see I need more. I can't, I can't fit it all in. And most of, my pod, all, most of my tweets are screwed up because I'm in there editing. And then I don't see the one word that I left in. And it makes the tweet look like a moron did it. I think no one's going to
0: read it if it's longer.
2: They're going to read it. Just gonna, if you don't like it, you scroll by it.
1: Right. That's my problem. Can I tell you what I would want before 280 characters?
2: To be able to edit the tweet. That would be great. You can. Yes. No, you can't. Once you hit it, it's done.
1: Oh, yeah. You delete it and redo
0: it. No, you're right.
1: Which is so lame because sometimes it's like it gets retweeted so many different times and you made a mistake or you have the wrong link or you, you know, do things like me, which is I use sometimes the wrong word. And like the other day I tweeted out, what was it? Oh, and these last... I can only uh, what imagine. Did I, this is horrible. This is awful. Like, I wrote... I was writing around all the buffer <laughs> I stuff. I can't even... I was like, in the last four... Like, this was, this was my brain. What are you guys going to do for the last four months of the year so that you can, you know, plan... Like, for your podcast. That's what I put on, on the Libsyn page. Like, for the last four months of the year, what do you have planned? What are your plans? Whatever. Goal setting kind of post. But what I ended up writing was for the last four years... <laughs> Of the year for the last four <laughs> years of the year, and so everybody was commenting, going that's like, "Funny, that's a lot." They were being really silly and making jokes, and I think people obviously understood what I meant. But I was able to go inside of Facebook and edit my post, versus on oh, Twitter. Yeah. And then I was getting so many people responding, meaning that people were actually answering the question, like they weren't being silly. They were ac- they were telling me what they were doing for the last four months of the last you know the last quarter of the year, and but. I wasn't able to ha- fix the tweet. So it looks so lame Ugh. for the last yeah. four years of the four years of the blah. Anyway, and I, I would that's love hilarious. that. Better. I would love that better.
2: The I only just, thing is I don't think they should give Trump another 140 characters. That's what I told Jessica. He's, a, he's got plenty now.
0: I don't want everyone to have another 280 because I feel like reading Twitter right now is not a big commitment. It's going to become a huge commitment like Facebook.
1: I don't think so. You could still scan. I don't think people, like, I don't feel like that I'm going to be writing tweets that are going to, that I'm going to be sitting there going like, okay, how can I use up 280 characters? Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to do that. I think that I, it will just be really nice to be able to write a couple of sentences and have them be done versus.
2: You can't get a thought out in 140 characters.
1: Sometimes you can, but most of the time you can. You, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) you have to be really good at it.
2: If I need to get a thought out, I go to Facebook. If I'm just going to say something stupid, I stick to Twitter.
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Why do things have to change?
1: Oh, well. But anyway, let us know your thoughts on the 280 characters. But that's another thing. Yeah, tell us what you think. Do you want 280? All right. Is that it? Yeah,
0: I think that's it. If you guys like the episode, please check us out, ShePodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, with the handle she podcasts. You can also write us at feedback at Let us know if um, you have anything to say to us, I guess. <laughs>
1: yes, and just in case you're not subscribed and you just found us, that would be really cool. Please subscribe. Yeah, subscribe to our show, shepodcast.com slash iTunes. Yay, we love you. See it. <laughs>